0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Not Gonna Lie podcast, presented by Student Union Sports. It was a great day for sports, and that doesn't stop there because we have a very special guest, James One of One, coming on the podcast. We're going to recap Everything that happened in week one, specifically from a quarterback perspective. Who played really well? Who could have done a little bit better? All those questions are answered and more with my interview with Jameis1of1. Well, I am very excited for two things. One, that football is back. And two, that we get to talk about it with such a a great football mind. uh, Jameis1of1 now joins the podcast. Thanks so much for coming on. Oh, my pleasure, brother. It's fun to be here. So... Got to start off with the the thing that everybody's talking about, uh, the the play of the game on Sunday Night Football between the Cowboys and the Rams. Michael Gallup had Jalen Ramsey beat, um, and it's a call that you really don't see that often. Um, maybe if it's the defensive player with the, a little bit of a slight push-off, it gets it, but that's one of the, the rare times I've seen uh, an offensive player get called for pass interference on what seemed like uh, little contact, especially at such a big point in the game. Uh, it's, it was a devastating blow for Cowboys fans and the, the Dallas Cowboys team, uh, but what were your thoughts on that call? Was it justified or was it the refs just trying to do too much at the end of the game?
1: Jalen, you know, he sold it. He he sold it very well. Um, the kid deserves an Oscar for that one, and you know he He's the big name. I mean, he's the highest-paid cornerback in NFL history now um, And I think the refs, you know, they just they just saw him kind of flop and they just they just bought it um, you know it, and had it not been called, you know, it's not like the Cowboys were guaranteed to win. I mean, they probably would have kicked the field goal, gone to overtime. Who knows what happens? But um, really, in my mind, you got to kind of give credit to Ramsey for selling it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it's actually it's very interesting because we're coming we're coming we're right in the thick of these NBA playoffs uh, where the refs have really taken over a lot of the games. And and I don't want to say the refs took over the game, but they definitely had a heavy influence uh on the outcome and in a day where it seemed like for the most part they did a a really good job they were looking in mid-season form um but if if i'm cowboys fans uh is there is there any way that you know it's you you can take a positive out of this obviously going into the ram stadium uh and, and losing a tough one but what are some positives that i can take out of as a cowboys fan from this game
1: Well, I mean, outside this game, the the big positive for Cowboys fans is the Eagles look terrible. Mm. (laughs) You know, and that's probably their only real competition in the division. So I I don't think this game is going to hurt them at all as far as the season standings go. I still expect them to win their division. Um, You know, as far as building off of this game, I mean, they did some good things. They ran the ball very well. Um, Zeke was incredibly effective. I mean, last year, in the early part of the year, he sort of, you know, he just looked off. He kind of looked overweight. He just looked a little off. But um, he looked great tonight. You know, Dak, Dak was Dak. I mean, 25 completions, 266 yards. You know, there's a lot of dink and dunk. But, you know, the, the kid doesn't give up. He plays hard. And um, and they still have a, a loaded roster. So uh, I, I don't think that this loss will, will really play into the, the playoff picture at all. I still expect him to win the, uh, the NFC. Yeah, and,
0: and looking on the other side with the Rams... They had a a pretty lackluster year last year, you know, really just kind of floundering. There was issues with Todd Gurley um, and whatever the case may be, but they really looked like the Rams of old. They were making plays. Things were open. I mean, I'll be honest with you. The way both offenses played, I'm surprised that it was 20 to 17. I definitely thought there should have been a lot more points on the board. Obviously, the Rams had that missed field goal, but um, if if I'm the Rams, you know, we obviously got the win. Malcolm Brown was big. Uh, What's the big takeaway for me as a Rams fan?
1: Well, yeah, their run game is back. And, um, you know, everybody sort of looks at McVay as a genius and, and with the the passing scheme and some of the numbers that golf puts up at times. But really their offense is predicated on the run. Same thing in San Francisco. And, um, you know, Malcolm Brown and Cam Akers together, you know, 32 carries, 118 yards, two touchdowns. As long as the Rams have a running game, they should be in the thick of things. I don't expect them, you know, to make the playoffs this year, but this was a great win for them. Uh, I, I sort of figured it would go this way as far as the the victory goes because McVay had all offseason sort of get ready for this game, and he is he is a genius. I mean, he has earned that reputation and it's legit. But um, yeah, as long as they have a running game, they should be fine this year.
0: So transitioning here a little bit, uh, Saints and Bucks. Obviously, I'm assuming a game that you are watching with vested interest. Uh, I'll be honest with you, the what we saw from Tom Brady today, a stat line looked very very similar to what they would have gotten out of Jameis Winston. And obviously I know you're not the type of person to gloat, but is there a part of you that's kind of sitting back and something you were saying all off season of uh, there were, there was really, it was almost a downgrade at quarterback or, or at the very least a similar level of play. And then Tom Brady goes out and puts that puts out that stat line. Are you, are you, know, are you smiling to yourself a little bit? What What's going on in your head?
1: Well, I mean, a lot of bucks fans are just, you know, people that don't know me that they, they just know me from say barstool, stuff like that. Um, they don't know. I mean, I am a big Brady fan. I've been following him since his days at the University of Michigan. So it's not like I get joy out of seeing him struggle. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the game kind of went the way that I figured it would. The season, I think, is going to go the way that I figure it will. I think they'll they'll end up with 9-11 to wins. They have a great shot at getting a, a uh, wild card. I don't think this game changes that. Um, my thing with Brady, you know, is at the end of the year, I think we're going to look, and all of his advanced metrics are going to look entirely different than Jameis. He'll have, he'll have a decent yardage output. He'll have decent touchdowns. The offense will score some points. But what I'm looking at is the advanced metrics. And when I watched Brady play today, you know, until the game was over and the Saints were, you know, just basically you know, the game was over and, and it was in garbage time, Brady, I believe, was 15 of 28, 157 yards, you know, with a touchdown that a high school kid could have thrown. It was, it was a busted coverage. The guy was wide open. And other than that, he had the two picks, one of, one of which was the pick six, he had another one where he threw right to the defender. He grounded a ball on a guy. He threw two that were just air-mailed. I mean, he, he looked bad. And that is sort of to be expected. It's his first game in the system. But it's also that he's not the athlete that Jameis is. And so what I've been telling Bucks fans sort of all day that are kind of worried about the season or or wonder if I'm wondering if, wondering if I'm going to gloat is that the problem for Tampa is that they bring in... Brady, but they still, it's, it just showed today, they still have the same issues. And Brady isn't Jameis, and I don't just mean he doesn't have the arm. He's a statue back there. Mm-hmm. Watching that game, I feared for him. He he cannot avoid the rush. He can't get away from pressure. He's definitely not going to try to hit the edges like Jameis would. He just doesn't do it. He either quickly throws the ball out of bounds or he, just get, he gets sacked. He, he crumbles. And so, as the season progresses, it, it's going to be very difficult because, he's going to want to get the ball out quicker and quicker and quicker. And I think Arians is going to want him to hold the ball longer and longer and longer so that these long developing routes can, can happen. And it's just a very interesting dynamic. And this is sort of the way that I thought the season would go. And I hope for Brady's sake that the, the Bucks O-line can keep them clean because if not, it could be an ugly year. But I still think that they'll, they'll figure it out. They'll have easier opponents coming up. And I still think they're going to end with nine to 11 wins.
0: Yeah. and, And, and like you said, they went up against the team that I have predicted to go to the Super Bowl, one of the most complete rosters in the NFL, specifically uh, in that quarterback room in the New Orleans Saints. Uh, obviously, what we saw was very impressive, well-rounded effort. Obviously, besides some some garbage time points there from the Bucks. Uh, two questions here: What, in your opinion, what is the Saints' ceiling? And then, does Jameis Winston somehow make a, a couple starts? Maybe if it's a breeze injury, or uh, you know, maybe just some issues with the team overall. Is there a chance that Winston sees some action this season?
1: Well, as far as the ceiling goes, um, I do have the Saints as my pick to win the Super Bowl. It has nothing to do you know, with Jameis being there. I would have picked him whether he was there or not. Mm. Uh, they have a loaded roster. They have a lot of depth. I mean, two of the biggest plays in the game you saw today, the blocked field goal and the fumble recovery at the end off the the muff punt, both of those were practice squad players that they just called up. And they're mm. not even roster guys. you know. And the, the, I mean, the Saints are just loaded across the board. And, you know, while people are saying that this was Brady's first game and they're sort of making excuses in that fashion, the Saints had three starters out for this game. The Bucks had a full squad. The Saints were missing their starting guard, Cesar Ruiz. They're starting outside linebacker, Zach Bond, And um, they're starting defensive end, Marcus Davenport, which is a huge loss. And they still were obviously, you know, on a different level than Tampa. And it's not just the roster. It's coaching. Sean Payton is on a different level than Bruce Arians. Peyton is known you know, for being a grinder, for being a genius, for putting in the hours. Bruce Arians is known for going to the bar and really working very little. He's known around the league. Jimmy Johnson did a segment laughing about how Bruce Arians won't stay in the office. He's going to go to the bar. He's not going to put in the hours. And so the Bucs, um, you know, no, their, their quarterback is not, you know, infinitely worse than Drew Brees. Brady's not infinitely worse. But I do believe that there is quite a gap between the coaches. And um, so, yeah, I, I think the Saints ceiling is definitely the Super Bowl. 14-15 win regular season. I projected them at 13-3, and three, but it wouldn't shock me to see them win 14 or more games and, and, uh, and to win the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, no, definitely a, an extremely well-built team uh, all the way around. But, you know, kind of leaning into what we were talking about a little bit here, everyone's favorite thing to do uh myself included after week 1 is, is to overreact you know like it, you you see something and it's like oh man this is the way it's going to be the whole season um and and unfortunately you know that that's just the way that it goes so i'm going to give you a couple scenarios that i saw and you let me know if this is an overreaction or if this is a uh, reason for concern uh
1: Okay but but re- real quick cuz people wonder why i didn't answer the Jameis question you know i will answer that real quick
0: <laughs> Oh yes yes go ahead <laughs>
1: um yeah i would i would expect that, yes, if Breeze actually gets injured, um, that Jameis would start. It it would sort of shock me if he didn't. However, you know, the odds are Breeze is not going to get injured, and I really think that in Peyton's mind, he would much rather just stash Jameis the entire year and not give the rest of the league a look at Lasix Jameis so that he can re-sign him way cheaper in the offseason. If he does roll him out there and Jameis has a big game, you know, it's just going to raise the price. And you see the Saints. I mean, everybody projects that they're going to fall apart at the end of the year because of the salary cap, and yet they just locked up Kamara, they just locked up DeMario Davis. You know, they're handing out money like it's candy. <laughs> and I do feel that that they believe this is Breeze's last year, and at the end of the year they're going to try to lock Jameis up. And I think they want to do that as cheap as possible. So it wouldn't shock me at all to uh, to see Peyton just stash him on the bench and never let him get on the field. I mean, why give the league a look?
0: Yeah, No. and, and like you said, the odds of that happening – are, are very realistic. Drew Brees has played in all 16 games, all but three seasons since 2010. Uh, so statistically, you know, he's got a really good chance to stay healthy. And and I agree 100%. I mean, if he if they can keep Jameis off the field, it makes it a lot easier to sign him in the off season. Because uh, we saw how much Teddy Bridgewater went for in just playing a couple games in relief uh, for Drew Brees. But uh, so, so let's transition over here to these overreactions. Uh, I'm going to start with this first one. Phillip Rivers, uh, 36 of 46 passing through two big interceptions uh, and he threw a third that actually got called back on a, on a holding call that was just away from the play. Um, I mean, he played well, but there were just issues down the stretch where he could not put a drive together. Uh, is this a sign of what's to come or is this just, you know, a fluke?
1: No, I definitely think it's a sign of what to come. I, I really don't see what the media likes so much about the Colts. Um, yeah, I told my buddy Stephen Che there at Barstool. You know, I just I just don't see it. You know, because he has the Colts as as a easier playoff team. Um, I look at them as a five to seven win football team. I really do. I, I understand they have a good line. I know they've got some big name players, Quentin Nelson. I know you know uh, Leonard on defense, et cetera. But I just don't look at them as a as a very quality football team. And I think they need a dynamic quarterback. And Phillip Rivers isn't that. I think he'll put up. Big numbers this year because they're passed first, even though they probably should be run first. Uh, But they lost Marlon Mack maybe for the year today. So I think Rivers is going to put up big numbers. Um, I think they're going to throw the ball a ton. And I think that they made the wrong decision in signing Phillip. Uh, You know, Jameis to me is that dynamic quarterback. They need an Andrew Luck-style quarterback on that team in that offense. And I don't think Rivers is that guy. I think he'll finish the year with, you know, 4,500-plus yards a bunch of touchdowns, and they're going to win six,
0: seven games. So, you know, that hurts. I'm a Colts fan. That really, that <laughs> that, that, that was just a, a shot to the heart right there. Um, look, I 100% get what you're saying. I was pushing for a Jameis signing in the offseason. Uh, but obviously, Marlon Mack going down was was a huge loss. Um, but, you know, you still got Naheem Hines, Jonathan Taylor there. I think the defense really disappointed today. Uh, so I respectfully disagree. Uh, you know, all bias aside, I've got them winning the AFC South just because it's all around, such a weak division. The Texans took a step back. The Titans are probably going to be taking a step back. And the Jaguars did beat the Colts, but I don't see anybody realistically projecting them to win the AFC South. Um, but yeah, obviously, there's there's a little bit of bias in there, and I'm and I'm still I'm still sore from the loss, so that that one hurt a little bit extra. But we'll move on to the next one. Uh, okay. Seahawks defense. Second second game in as many years, they allowed 450 passing yards to the Falcons. Last year, of course, it was Matt Schaub, uh, which is even worse, but they got lit up again. You know, they added Jamal Murray. They were supposed to be better defensively, but I feel like they still had a lot of issues. They got the win because Russell Wilson is the second best quarterback in the NFL, but is this an overreaction or is this a sign of what of what's to come for the Seahawks defense?
1: Yeah, their defense is rough. I mean, they're, they're definitely nowhere near the Legion of Boom anymore. Um, this is going to be the Russell Wilson show this year, really like it is every year. You know, they, they've got the, the hashtag go in there with uh, let Russ cook, which I like. Mm. Um, and this, this is his team, and he's going to have to win some shootouts this year. I, I don't see that defense as being anywhere near dominant. Um, you know, the Falcons, I mean, they, they got 13 of their 25 points in the fourth quarter. The, the Seahawks held them to 12 through the first three. So some of that is, is sort of garbage time type stuff. And the Falcons, you know, they they've, they're running that dirt cutter offense, which you know they just sling it around the field and sort of ignore the running game. So that's going to happen. But um, but next week it's it's Seattle and New England. I and I'm really interested to see there because New England was running like you know a Tim Tebow type offense today, just running the ball constantly. We're sitting at halftime and I'm I'm talking to my son like, are they going to let Cam throw the ball at all? <laughs> so so next week next week we'll get to see Seattle's you know run defense maybe uh, have to have to take over that game. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and, and, and another team um, like the Colts, who, who some people had big expectations for, that fell on a disappointing loss, the Eagles uh, let the Redskins, or sorry, my bad, the Washington football team, that was actually not intentional, I, I uh, uh, just a slip of the tongue there, um, score 27 unanswered in the second half, which is crazy for any team much less them. You know, what we had for expectations for them is with Dwayne Haskins more of a project quarterback and obviously losing um, Darius Geis, cutting Adrian Peterson, losing Kelvin Harmon. There were not high expectations for this team, but they came out and win week one. Uh, so this is a twofer. Are, is the Washington football offense legit uh, or are the Eagles just not there?
1: Yeah, I, I would say the Eagles just aren't there. Um, they're another team that I think are sort of perennially all, you know, overrated by the media just because of the market that they're in. To me, they're a lot like the Colts in that I think they're a 6-8 to eight win team. I don't view them as a legitimate contender in any way. Now, you know, they might get lucky and hang in in the, uh, in the NFC East, and the Cowboys might have a rough year, and they might be battling like last year towards the end. But I just view them as like a 6-8 win team. I don't think their roster is that good. Um, you know, they've been losing guys like left and right in, in, uh, in camp, and Carson Wentz most people that follow me they know I love, I love Carson Wentz. I mean I love the kid. I love the whole AO1 thing Army of One and his dedication to Jesus Christ and all that but he was terrible today. <laughs> I mean he he was absolutely terrible. I think his raw QBR was like 14. You know on a scale of 1 to 100. He he was just abysmal. Um so I I don't think the Eagles are a good football team. I think they're they're a 6 to 8 win team. As far as the uh Washington football team um I I don't believe in their offense at all. I I don't know, you know, whether today was a complete fluke or not. But even today, I mean, it's not like their numbers looked very good at the end of the game. Haskins is still raw. He's still coming along. Um, But they play hard. They've got a coach that they're probably playing extremely hard for that uh, everybody loves, you know, around the entire NFL. So I don't expect to see them really give up in games. Um, And they may win more games than than what I thought. I mean, I I thought for sure they would be probably a, a top three or four draft pick team. You know, who knows? Maybe they'll maybe they'll eke out six six wins or something like that, which would impress me. Um,
0: but I don't view them as, as a legit, legit legit team either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I I was talking to my dad. He's a he's a fan of the Washington football team, and um, he was like, "Well, two more wins to to match our win total from last year." So you kind of know where where that fan base's head <laughs> is at just a little bit. Um, let's transition here. Let's talk about some quarterback battles. Uh, a lot of things that happen. This kind of leans into overreactions as well. Um, There are a lot of guys that are vying for that starting spot and ones that have a real shot to do so. Uh, Let's start in Chicago. So basically through halftime, all signs pointed to, you know, Nick Foles, it's going to just be a couple more weeks. And then Mitch Trubisky turned a switch, including an absolute dime, what led to be the game-winning touchdown to Anthony Miller. Uh, I mean, obviously Mitchell Trubisky did enough to save his job for this week, but is this turn of a corner? Is that like, did we see something out of Mitch here or is it just... You know, maybe just the chips falling at the right time.
1: Yeah, no, I, I don't believe in Trubisky at all. Um, I, I've studied him enough where I, I just don't. He he has some skills. He has some talent in the right system. Yeah, he can be effective. Um, but he'll have a big game here and there. I mean, I remember, you know, he, he looked like Dan Marino against Tampa a little while ago. Um, of course, everybody kind of looked like Dan Marino against Tampa. <laughs> and the Lions defense... Um, you know, some people think it's it's underrated, but I mean, they lost they lost Slay, and so it's very possible that, that 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 pass defense is going to be dreadful this year. So I wouldn't make much out of what Trubisky did in this game. However, I will say that I don't know that he'll be benched at all this year. And, and the reason I say that is because they didn't pick up his fifth year option, but they do have Foles locked up for next year. This is their last shot to see what Trubisky has. This is their absolute last shot to see if they want to extend him. And so it makes all the sense in the world to give him as much run as possible to really see what he's got. Um, and, and their schedule also sets up really well to where it wouldn't shock me to see them start out like 5-1, and 4-2 and two maybe at worst, that they, they have a really easy schedule out of the gate. And if that's the case, even if they lose three games in a row, they, they have a tough one where they, I think they go at Rams, home with the Saints, and at the Titans. You know, and they could lose all three of those games and fall to say four and five or something like that. Even then, you're still really in the thick of things. You know, at four and five, to where I don't think you just turn to fools. And if you do turn to folds, I think their next two games are really tough too. I think it's Vikings and Packers back to back. So it's possible if they do turn to fools, there he just comes in and goes zero and two, and they say no, nope, we might as well stick with Mitch and see what he's got. So I think it's very possible he could he could keep the job all year long. I don't think that you know when the year's over that they're just going to be confident to resign him though. You know, they didn't give him the fifth year for a reason. I sort of look at them as a team that is going to try probably again to move up in the draft and grab one of the top three quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance. So
0: I, I, think, it's, I think it's probable that he keeps his job this year and then he's gone. Yeah, and, and that's kind of the thing with, with this quarterback situation is you really can't go fulls and then back to Trubisky because I think that's just going to be it confidence-wise. You know, I think I, I'm with you. I think they hold out on Trubisky as long as possible. And if, you know, they, they're two and four, two, five, you know, or, or worse than that, then they turn to him. But I don't think there's a situation where you can go from Trubisky, let Foles play a couple games and he loses a couple and then go back. I think it's you've just really lost the team and, and really lost the, the confidence in both of your quarterbacks at that point. Um, right. But but moving over here um, Tua sitting behind Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, this was a winnable game for the Dolphins. I really do believe that. Three interceptions from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Very inefficient. Uh, it, it, it's a tough look, and obviously for Dolphins fans who have a, a first-round quarterback sitting on the bench, they're they're angling for him to start. Obviously, there's that hip, uh, hip issue. How soon do we see Tua take the field, if at all?
1: I personally would love to see Tua just redshirt this year. I, I don't want to see the kid hurt again. I don't want to see him thrown into a bad situation. By all accounts, he's a fantastic young man. I'd really like to just see him sit and learn. Um, you know, I definitely think the Dolphins lose their next game. They start 0-2. So it's possible. I mean, they could, they could turn to, to two right away in week three, but I don't see that happening. Um, if he doesn't start then, you know, you look at maybe the seventh game because I think they're probably going to start off 1-5. and uh, You could also look at the tenth game because I think they might start off 1-8. and I mean, I think their team has improved. But I just don't look at this being the year where they actually make a playoff push. I know some people have talked about that. I just don't see it. And I really hope they don't rush to a back at all. There's no reason to. They're not actually competing for anything real this year. Just give the kid a redshirt year. It's a weird 2020 COVID year anyways. I wouldn't put him on the field. Even if he is the best option, I wouldn't put him on the
0: field. Yeah, and even going along with that, that offensive line is not ready to handle a guy like that. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick's been getting – Pushed around his entire you know NFL career, he can take another year. Uh, I don't know if Tua is going to be ready with that hip uh, to to really take some NFL shots. Uh, so right. so I, I I'm 100% agreement with you. I think they just got to wait, but it may be you know the pressure may be too much if they do start out one and eight like you said to to push for him to to get in at least the back half of the season. Um, and then yeah,
1: that that would be the that would be the spot. Like if I was betting, that would be the spot. Would be that tenth game, whether they start out one and eight or two and seven or whatever. Because the next three games are their tenth, eleventh, and twelfth games. They've got the Jets back to back and the Bengals. So if you're going to roll two out, give him those three games. Give him three bad opponents. Don't
0: don't pop them out there against a team like the Chargers defense or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. You want to give them the 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 best foot forward. Uh, and then another quarterback here. And I'll be honest with you, I'm just going to skip over Jordan Love. We don't. He's not touching the field this year. After Aaron Rodgers Rodgers' <laughs> performance today, I mean, he it, it's Aaron Rodgers' team, and he established that uh, pretty handily. But the L.A. Chargers got the win off of Randy Bullock, missed chip shot field goal to force overtime. Uh, but that offense against one of the worst defenses in the league scored 16 points. I mean, they've got a lot of weapons on the field. Hunter Henry, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Joshua Kelly, who was taking a lot of those goal line snaps uh, and is a guy I'm looking at in fantasy for sure to, to maybe pick up as a, as a stash. Um, so much talent, only 16 points. Tyrod Taylor, 16 of 30, 208 yards at a QBR of 26 uh, I mean, I, I have to assume Herbert takes the field eventually because even with the win, it was not a good showing at all for that offense. Is there what, at what point do we see Herbert on the field?
1: Okay, well, this will this will probably shock you with what you said, but I don't think he takes the field this year. Um, I think he's really, really raw, and I think the Chargers probably jump out to like a six and three record and root to a nine and seven season. I, I think they have a good shot at the the wild card. However, I'm I'm completely with you on Tyrod. In fact, if there's one team that I'm sort of more irked with than any other in the NFL uh, in regards to Jameis himself, it's the Chargers.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Because I know they had interest, but they they, they, they sort of felt a need to please Tyrod. There's a connection there with the coach. But they have weapons everywhere. I mean, they have one of the premier pass-catching backs in the NFL in Eckler. They've got, like you said, Hunter Henry. They've got Mike Williams. They've got Keenan Allen, who was basically a decoy in this game and didn't do anything. They've they've got a Lamborghini and they're 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 driving it at thirty miles an hour playing Tyrod. It, it makes absolutely no sense. It's insane. It, it'd be like having a team with with Ezekiel Elliott and and Saquon and another great running back and only passing. I mean, it just makes no sense to have all those those aerial threats, all those pass catching weapons, and give them Tyrod Taylor as their quarterback. That's absurd. So I think their defense will carry them this year. I think they they'll they'll play you know efficient football, never turning the ball over, winning low scoring games. They'll make the playoffs. Anthony Lynn will be applauded. They'll get knocked out in the first round of the whole season will actually be a failure. So I, I really think they're the one team that, you know, had they signed Jameis, he would have made all those receivers happy. They would have had a dynamic offense to pair with their dynamic defense. Um, I just look at this as a wasted year. and But I think they'll have a good enough record to hang around in that in that uh, wild-card playoff run where Herbert won't see the field. They'll, they'll give him a shirt.
0: Yeah, it's just tough because, like you said, I mean, the, the offensive weapons, but also defensive weapons, too. There's so much talent there um, that it just almost feels like they're wasting. And, and a guy like Tyrod Taylor, you know, you, he's lost a starting job in a lot of situations, you know, with the Bills and and with the Browns. But it's simply because, like you said, he doesn't take chances. He's the the safe quarterback, uh, and teams can't win that way. That's not the, the recipe for success, uh, and that's why he's been kind of usurped in, in every situation that he's been in. Uh, so so it's certainly yeah, unfortunate. And-
1: and a lot, a lot of coaches and, and GMs, you know, fans get, they sort of get it twisted, and they think that, that all coaches and GMs are trying to win a Super Bowl and, and, and trying their best to win every possible game. That's not really true. A, a lot of GMs and coaches, they're really just trying to keep their jobs. They're really just trying to sort of stay safe. And so they, they don't take risks that they should take. Um, you know, seeing now that Jameis is on the Saints, seeing how they operate and seeing how, Nicky Loomis, you know, deals with the salary cap like it doesn't exist and just thinks so far outside the box. You know, that's an organization that is absolutely taking home run swings, constantly trying to win a Super Bowl. But there's a lot of organizations that are really, they're just trying to get by. They're just trying to sort of appease their fan base. Their coach really just wants to continue to keep his job and not get fired. And so they look at like an 8-8 eight eight record will do that. And they won't take a risk to go 11-5 and five if it also means there's a higher chance they go 5-11. and 11. They'd rather just hang around at the 8-8 eight and, eight and keep their job. And that's very frustrating for fans, but a lot of fans don't even actually understand that that's
0: happening. Yeah, no, and, and you're absolutely right. that We see this year after year. That's why there are some teams that are stuck in mediocrity and some teams that, mm-hmm. that really go for it. Uh, we've just got a little bit of time left here for you, but I want to talk a little bit about the 2021 QB class. Um, I know you mentioned it a little bit before, but I kind of want to play a game with you if that's okay. So I'm going to go through... Uh, the the list of teams, you know, guys that may be quarterback needy, um, and you let me know if these teams make a move for those top three guys or if they hold back uh, and, and figure it out another way. Does that sound good?
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. So first up, we'll go in the AFC East here. The New York Jets.
1: I think they'll 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 stand with with Darnold. He, he's he's been bad. <laughs> yeah. He's been bad. Um. From From what I understand, they they like him, you know, as as a young man, and they believe in his talent. And um, I think they'll side with him over the coach. I think if the year goes wrong, it'll probably be the coach that's out rather than rather than Sam.
0: Mm-hmm. okay. And, and here's a guy I'm concerned about. People don't really seem to be talking about it that much. Um, but Ben Roethlisberger came back off of a a big injury, one that you hadn't seen at a guy of his age. Um And, you know, depending on how the season goes, do the do the Steelers go after one of these guys? Obviously, um, you know, depending on how it, how it all works out.
1: Yeah, Pittsburgh's an interesting situation. I, I think that they'll personally, I have them as a playoff team now. Ben Ben will have to stay healthy if that's the case, but I have them as a playoff team, so I don't think they'll have the they'll have the goods to to get one of the top three quarterbacks in the draft. Um, and even if Ben gets hurt, I actually think they're they're a team where if Ben were to go down in the beginning of the season and they're not, you know, they have a decent record, I think they'll they'll call the Saints and they'll make an offer for Jameis and they'll just try to bring him over now. They already went hard for him in the offseason. They wanted him desperately, and Jameis chose New Orleans over them. Um, but I think if Ben were to get hurt, they'd go after him, and obviously everybody knows Jameis is a huge upgrade over Mason Rudolph and you know Duck Hodges, what they had last year. So I just don't look at the, the Steelers. I don't look at them as a team that's going to lose enough
0: games to, uh, to really have a shot at a top quarterback. All right, we'll keep it moving here. Same division, though. Uh, people have been having issues with Baker Mayfield. Is it the browns do the browns move on from him and get another guy in the draft?
1: No well I'd say the same thing with the jets that um, that they'll stick with Baker they'll give him at least the full four years if not even you know if not the fifth year uh, option they like him you know the city still likes him he's been he's been rough you know he's been rough for over a year now um, but when I'm saying this I'm also talking about both with Baker and with Sam Darnold, I'm talking about everybody other than Trevor Lawrence, just so everybody understands that. Okay. If the Jets get the number one overall pick, Darnold, Darnold's done. I, I don't see any of the bad teams. I don't care who their quarterback is. If they get the number one pick, Trevor Lawrence is the guy. So Baker Mayfield, get out. Sam Darnold, get out. I'm even saying Joe Burrow, get out. If, if the Bengals get mm. the number one pick. Now, it may be smart for them to trade the number one pick for a, for a Kings ransom and build around Burrow but it wouldn't shock me at all. Even if Burrow has a really nice rookie year, if they get the number one pick to take Lawrence and deal Burrow, Trevor's that special.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for, for that, for the sake of this argument, it would be obviously a team that would trade up or a team that would, you know, uh, go after one of those other two guys. So yeah, that was a good, that was a good clarification. We'll keep it moving here. Jacksonville Gardner Minshew, 19 to 23, three touchdowns a day looked really good, but are they still looking for, for another guy?
1: Yeah, Jacksonville's another team that that wanted Jameis. Um, so, you know, they Gardner's interesting because he plays with so much heart, and he 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 just gives it all, and he's accurate, and the his, the team rallies around him. He's sort of like a a, a version of a Fitzpatrick. You know, he's just people rally around him, and mm-hmm. they and they love him, and I love watching the kid play. So, seeing what he did today, and even seeing you know the rookie season he had, I'd love to see him get a third year. Um. You know, and they they shocked me with that win over the Colts. I didn't see that coming at all. So I, I don't I don't know that they would take a uh, a Justin Fields or or a Trey Lance or let alone trade up for them. They may ride with Minshew now if they get that number one. It's it's Lawrence all the way, and they'll probably bring Dabo with them. Um, but if if they don't have the number one overall pick, I could definitely see them sticking with Minshew. The the kid's just got the it factor. It, it's uh, I hate to use that because it's you know it's not actually measurable, but that is what it seems like with him. He just has the it factor.
0: Yeah, that's true. We see that with, with just a couple of quarterbacks, and to see Garner Minshew play like that at such a young age and with such little experience, it feels like, With you look at where he's played at and the level um, that he has played at, so it's very cool to see. Um, okay, so we'll go rapid fire here. Just probably like eight more teams I'm looking at. Um, Vegas. Derek Carr doesn't work out. Mario doesn't work out. Are they going for a quarterback?
1: Yes. Uh, yes, absolutely. I think they um, really, even if Carr has another solid year, I don't think they're sold on him. Um, you know, the Mariota signing sort of proves that they're not sold on him. The, but the Mariota signing was kind of a joke. They were another team that absolutely wanted Jameis. Um, this is not. This isn't a rumor. This is absolute fact. I know this for a fact. They wanted Jameis. They were led to believe that Jameis back to Tampa was a done deal. Mm. So they signed Mariota. Had they known that Jameis was going to be a free agent, had they known Brady was going to choose Tampa, I believe Gruden would have paid. Jameis way more than what they paid Mariota. Jameis would be starting game one. It would have been over. So I don't believe that they believe in Derek Carr. And I think that really no matter how this year goes, not if they make the playoffs and Carr is great, that's different obviously, but really no matter how this year goes, um, I could definitely see them trying to move up uh, for Fields or Lance. I I think both of those guys have more talent than Carr. And I could see Gruden fall in love with either one of those guys. Um, They're both mobile. They both have great arms. So I, I definitely see the Raiders as a team that, that would try to make a move up. Again, though, you know, if the Saints really are in salary cap purgatory and they really can't afford Jameis and he just hits the market, you know, the Raiders may just choose to sign him then. Um, Mariota just might be cut. Yeah, the, the poor kid just mm. can't stay healthy. You know, I hope the best for him, but he just can't stay healthy.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's very true. This one, I think I know the answer too, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Washington football team?
1: i would i mean I would think so i would I would think yeah. that they would definitely be a team to trade up i I like Haskins, you know, but i don't really, I've watched him enough where I don't really believe in him. he's got some skills, but i just I don't really see anything special yet um you know apparently the the coach i mean I'm sorry the owner likes him, but the owner's probably going to be out and if the owner's out and they bring in a new owner, that generally comes with a new quarterback, so I, I definitely could see them making a move up.
0: How about the Giants, Daniel Jones? Still give him a chance, or how
1: are they looking? I personally would probably trade up, but I, I think they'll give him. I think they'll give him at least the full four-year rookie deal, if mm-hmm. not you know the fifth-year option. I think
0: they'll stick with him. Uh, if, if Stafford can't stay healthy, the Lions have a, a rough finish. Or do they go for a quarterback?
1: Oh, I hope so. I hope they they trade Matt to an actual franchise. <laughs> um, I. I You know, and the Lions are the team of my youth. I mean, that's the team my dad roots for. That's the team I was taught to root for. I I realized early on I'm not going to do that. They're a garbage franchise, (laughs) you know. But um, I I just I wish Matt Stafford would demand a trade today. I wish he would have demanded it three years ago, five years ago. Um, I'd love to see him out of there. But his his cap situation is also a little tricky. I think really he'll probably be there at least one more year. just when I looked into his cap situation, it just seems a little tricky to trade him. So I think he'll probably be there another year.
0: Uh, okay, so two two teams here left. I'm going to pair them up. This one, I feel like I know the answer to this one. Uh, Carolina Panthers, probably in the market for a quarterback.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they'd love to get Trevor Lawrence, but I don't know that they're going to lose enough games. Um, you know, for, for everything that Teddy Bridgewater isn't, he is at least steady. You know mm-hmm. he's Steady Teddy. I mean that that's a good nickname for him. He he's not gonna, he's not gonna play. You know outside of himself. He's he's very he's a very limited quarterback. But he's he's willing to play within his limits within within his limitations. So yeah, I look at them as you know sort of like that five to seven eight win team where I don't think they'll have it. But yeah, I do think that they could they could trade up because Bridgewater's contract also is a little weird. You know people thought it was great and everything, but I think the the guaranteed money is much much lower than you know the three or sixty three million that they announced. I think it's more like 34 Um, and they could have signed him to that simply as a bridge quarterback because he's known as such a good locker room guy. So I think that they're a team that definitely could trade up. Um, They probably won't have enough, you know, to move up all the way for Lawrence, Um, but they could definitely trade up for one of the other two guys.
0: One final team. This one's kind of a unique one, but depending on how the situation goes, um, I know Jared, Jared Goff's contracts kind of coming to an end. If things don't work out, does McVay scratch Goff and, and maybe start over with one of the big three?
1: Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I really didn't even think about them. Um, that's interesting. I'll, I'll say no, just off the top of my head. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, they're they're a, they're definitely an organization that doesn't mind taking huge risks and big swings. And um, that's an interesting one. Yeah, the the one team that I would add that you didn't is is Chicago. I, I think Chicago is another team that will try to move up for sure uh, to draft a new quarterback. I think that. You know, this is Mitch's last year there, and I think they have Foles for one more year, so he's a perfect bridge guy. And both Lance, you know, coming from an FCS school in North Dakota State, and Justin Fields, you know, he's only he's very um, raw still. He's only got the, the one year under his belt. So I think they'd look at Foles
0: as kind of like the perfect tutor for, for both of those guys. So I could see the Bears making the move up. Yeah, no, I, I like that. That's a, that's a good addition too. Uh, well, we're just about out of time here. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, If you enjoyed this interview and want to get more awesome content from, in my opinion, one of the smartest guys uh, in football, you can follow him on Twitter, at Jameis1of1, for more content. But thank you so much for coming on, and we'll have to talk real soon. My pleasure, brother. Have a great week. All right, you too.